This is the Sports Desk. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome <laughs> to the Sports Desk on Sin on your Monday afternoon. Oh, Monday, the 19th of September. Arguably one of the biggest days in the history of the world. Yeah, Jimmy. It's, it's a big one. It's a big one. It's a big one. And a big weekend. Um, Catch your breath. Wow. <laughs> boy, oh boy. We wow. found our two grand final teams for this year. We've got, we've got the Sydney Swans and we've got the Geelong Cats. Both coming off polar opposite uh, victories. Yeah. One where <laughs> I decided to go to the pancake parlor at three-quarter time because I was bored of it. <laughs> and then the next one, I was on the edge of my seat, biting my nails. It's incredible, Jimmy. I'm glad you didn't go to the pancake parlor when the Swans were 36 points up. Uh, welcome, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, there we Michael, Jimmy, and that. Jason are on air. It's a fantastic day to have your company and a historic day, as you mentioned, Jimmy. We'll get to that just in one moment. But you're absolutely right. 36 points up. The Swans were thinking to themselves, easily walking through a grand final. We'll just pop a couple of players on the bench. We'll, we'll get them nice and rested for our grand final berth, our first one since 2012. And Collingwood, as they've done all season, Jimmy, they were like a house on fire. The Swans were trying to play conservatively, and the Pies nearly stole another thriller. But it wasn't to be. It's the Sydney Swans, Geelong Cats, Saturday, the 24th of September at the MCG, 2.30 start. And we cannot wait. It's going to be a big week, boys. It's It's going to be be a lot happening. Grand final parades. First time since 2019 that we've had a grand final back at the home of football, the MCG. It's and crazy. It's going to be beautiful. We've, we've waited a long time for this. I feel like, look, 2019, obviously a pretty a pretty big grand final. Pretty um, one-sided too. Pretty Jimmy. one-sided, <laughs> yeah. as a matter of fact, as well. 80 points or so. It was Three yeah. goals only scored by GWS yeah, in that year. Scored the first one too, which was pretty crazy. A man who scored that goal will be playing for the Geelong Cats in his second grand final, that being Jeremy, Jeremy Cameron. Cameron. And, of course, this week we'll be talking about all the the narratives that come out of grand final week. We'll be talking Paddy McCartan, the McCartan brothers. Gosh, How isn't that incredible? Is that? An incredible story. We'll be oh. talking about we'll be talking about Buddy Franklin potentially the curtain might come down on his career if he if he wins over the weekend. And what a mighty bow it will be! Wow, and uh, a fitting place. He's played a lot of his football, of course, in the Hawthorne Jumper at the MCG and two uh, premierships with the yellow and brown. But that's uh, right, still yet to crack. Immediately on. following his turn to Sydney, made a grand final. He hasn't seen that big stage since. It'll be a big one. So many narratives, and of course, in grand final week, there's always injury clouds over players. It'll be Max Holmes this year. Yeah, It'll yeah. be Oh, oh boy, right. oh boy. It'll be Sam Reid as well for the Swans. And, uh, of course, all these different speculative um, selections will get thrown up and um, options will be brought up. There'll be a fairy tale story. There'll be heartbreak. There'll be anguish. All of this is what we love about the grand final week and we cannot wait to see what happens on the big day. So lots to talk about. Of course, last night, Jimmy, with the big historic night tonight with uh, the Queen's farewell, the big funeral that the world will be watching. Millions of people all around Billions. the world. Billions, Billions. will be watching wow, this wow. Uh, to farewell one of the greatest monarchs of all time. Uh, it meant that the Brownlow Medal was pushed back to the traditional time of Sunday night. And just quickly on that, uh, with the Brownlow Medal, did we like the time slot? I didn't oh, mind it. 
I was able to I was unable to watch it because I was in an airport at that time. <laughs> but luckily, I was able to catch. I just looking at the headline of Sydney. There's going to be so much pride around about this week. Oh, I hope I never forget where I was when Sydney won by a point. I. <laughs> This is the only thing I have a bit of a problem with. That I was in an airport at the time, didn't get a chance to watch the count, apart from maybe one game in one round, just because of baggage claim and all that. Yep. However, of course. I did say before the thing I was talking to, the person I was with, who I'll talk about just a little bit later on in the program, uh, I went, who were the favourites again? And he just rattled, rattled them off. Clayton Oliver, Christian Petrarca, mm. Lockie Neal, Patrick Cripps. And then as soon as Patrick Cripps perked up. I went, oh, hang on a minute. Is he one of the... Yeah, he had a good season. I think I'll just pick him to win it. <laughs> I mean, I tell you well, what. well, I... I didn't know he won until I woke up this morning, and that was a fun. That was a fun little surprise I had. And there's a lot of controversy surrounding that, Jimmy, because they did go to the mm. high court for this Good to lawyers. be a valid one. Good lawyers. They they should have got a Brownlow medal for their performance. Well, best on fair. Best and fairest. Best and fairest. Sorry. Yeah, best on ground. Coaches award. Well, look, maybe I not th- coaches award. Maybe some prize money. For I that. think that Paddy Dangerfield will be, will be paying Paddy Dangerfield. Paddy Cripps will be paying his <laughs> lawyer uh, some big bucks after saving him. Uh, for that last round, I tell you what, that was some exciting stuff. This is the best count I can remember in recent times. A lot of people have been saying 2003 was one of the best counts where I think it was a three-way, three-way tie. tie. Adam yep. Goons, Nathan Buckley, and Mark Rusciuto. I tell you what, gents, it was looking like that as well. You, you look at some of the numbers here. Paddy Cripps finished on 29 votes. Lockie Nil, very... Very, uh, very close as well. 28 points, and he got that one vote in the final game, which made it all come down to those last three votes, which, of course, Paddy Cripps got in that incredible game I want to ask you about that on ground. a bit later, because yes, I'm just, it's a very, very touch-and-go situation with that last game, losing it and still getting the three votes. And look, we will get to a song shortly, and we will talk more about the Brownlow on the other side of this, but I just wanted to quickly say it's Carlton's sixth player in the last 50 years. Of course, the last one was Chris Judd, and it's just an incredible accomplishment for Paddy Cripps, of course. He's a Western Australian farm, born and bred boy, and I think it really comes out in his persona and the way that he speaks and he's and how humble and how candid and how honest he is when he talks. It was one of the best post-Brownlow interviews I can remember, and, you know, he, he has battled so much. He's so grateful for his journey. Um, he spoke... Uh, openly and uh, truthfully about his time, how difficult things were at Carlton when he was there, when Brendan Bolton was sacked. He talked about the anxiety that he had speaking in public. I mean, it's very rare that players speak that openly on Brownlow night, especially if they've had a few red cordials, Jimmy. But it was just <laughs> such out. a great chat. A and he's just, he's just such a great family man. And uh, he just said his final quote was, I love playing footy and I love playing with my mates. And if you strip it all back, depending on what league you're looking at, that's why you play footy. You want to play footy because you love it, and you want to play with your mates. So, Paddy, well done. Great that, speech. On that note, we're going to go to another cordial, a bit of lime cordial. <laughs> with That's Live here on the Sports Desk on Tim. Life by Lime Cordial. You're on the sports desk on Sin on your Monday afternoon with Jimmy, Michael, and Jason. Before the break, we're chatting a bit of preview of the Brownlow medal before we got really into a deep dive of it. Um, As well, something that's going to happen later in the show. This is is sports desk history is being made here. Yep. Michael, keep listening. This is a big deal. Do you want to just tease us a little bit on what's going on? A little bit. Uh, We have. On the eve of grand final, 
we do have a very, very special feature that will be able to be watched. That's all I'm saying right now. So a multimedia. Yes. Something to do with multimedia at the sports desk and on the eve of grand final. Yes. There are your two details Take for Take with that what you want. <laughs> we're not telling you anything else until That's all we got. a bit later on. Maybe after the next song. Keep listening. Keep, Keep listening. listening. We'll tell you more. It's very exciting, Jimmy. Brownlow. Michael, talk to me. Okay. So Brownlow Medal was on a Sunday this year, as we know, because of the historical uh, funeral of one of the greatest monarchs of all time tonight. Longest which means reigning monarch. Longest reigning monarch. 70 years, if you don't mind. Incredible. So the Brownlow was on and... The media pretty much came out and said that there were six hot contenders. They were Lockie Neal from the Brisbane Lions, Clayton Oliver from Melbourne, Christian Petrarca from Melbourne, Andrew Brayshaw from Fremantle, Patrick Cripps from Carlton, and Took Miller from the Gold Coast. Now, (laughs) we did not think that these six would be still in contention up to round 22 and then, of course, round 23. It was on a knife edge. And for those who watched and for those who were following along with the votes, this was one of the greatest counts of all time. This was incredible. It's probably the best count in the last 10 years, easily. Easily, Jimmy, yes. Um, Oh, mate. I, I feel like this year we got a better appreciation for footy in general. Because it was back in Melbourne, it was back without lockdown, it was back with full crowds for the first time in two years. Everything came down to the last round. It did. In absolute, like, it just, in, in fashion, like, I, I loved it. Uh, we, all, we all kind of got a big, a bit of a grasp at what was going to happen, of who was going to poll votes. Me and the boys in my group chat were all talking, oh, you know, I reckon you got two there, one there, three there. And we're all pretty spot on, just just with the touches and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't think there were too many surprises with uh, with some of the votes. I mean, Zach Bailey in one of the uh, in, mate, yeah. in if anyone got a glimpse of Mitch Robinson's Twitter, uh, it was him filming Zach Bailey. They were all having a drink up, uh, watching the brown loan. Zach As Bailey got six six goals and twenty touches, thinking he'd get his first three brown low votes and didn't didn't get any. Robbed. And, uh, I don't know what else you can <laughs> do. I don't know what else you can do. And they're all chanting at him as he walked out of the pub. I loved it. That he, was mu- he must have. He must have given an umpire at some lip in that game or something because there must have been something stale there because that is a three. That is a three vote game. I tell you, we're talking about surprises, Jimmy, and I want to draw our attention to the last couple of rounds of the season because there's always some contentious calls and some surprises in a Brownlow medal. Now, the first one was uh, Andrew Brayshaw after round 18, he was not expected to vote anymore, and he managed to pull two miraculous votes. Now, in the draw, he only gained 156 metres against the Tigers, and he managed to get one vote for that game, so that was a bit of a surprise. And then the next week against Melbourne, where they were blown out of the water by 46 points, he did manage to get a high Supercoach score, but... Obviously, the Ds were the more comprehensive side, and he still managed to vote. So that was very interesting, and that kept him right in the contest up until the last round. A couple of other notable ones. Took Miller, and a lot of people have been talking about this very final game of the year. Uh, the Gold Coast Suns won by 67 points. He was one of the best players on the ground, got some of the highest disposals, but his first half wasn't that influential. Curtis Taylor gave him plenty of attention, and Took Miller in that game didn't get a single vote. And if he had gotten a vote, he was on 27 at the time. It would have taken him to 28, which would have been level with Lockie Nil, or 29, which would have got him level with Paddy Cripps. So a big potentially non-vote in that game. So that's probably the big one. But the surprise was Lockie Nil. In his last round, he played Melbourne. They lost by 58 points, Jimmy. But 
He played decently well, but there was much better players in the Demon side that got ahead of him. But he managed to get the vote, which took him to 28, which meant that Paddy Cripps had to get the free votes. Of course, Carlton lost that game in the final round, but as we know, Paddy Cripps was the best on ground. 27 contestant possessions. He was the Richard Pratt medalist, so he probably does get those free votes. What so, do you think of that one? Incredible. What do we think of that three votes of Paddy Cripps in that last game? Look, it was probably there. Um, does Jamie Elliott get three votes for kicking the game winner? Probably not, but still, he probably was the best player on the ground. But for Jimmy, it's, that's it, a it's a big call. call. It is a big a, call, isn't it? For a lot, you know, a lot I, losing game. I will say this though, Jimmy. Um, I don't think it comes down to that last game. I, I actually look at the Adelaide game. So they lost by twenty nine points in that one. He got above forty one touches for the first time in the year. He did have twelve clearances, but Adelaide go on and win the game, and he gets the three votes best on ground. So do you give him that one? The round before that, and I hate to be analysing this because he's a worthy winner. We love him. We think he deserves it. But we're just highlighting a couple of interesting voting choices. And then against GWS in round 19, they won by 36 points, but he was only going at 55% efficiency, and he ended up getting two votes, Jimmy. So they're the games that you sort of look at. Again, the umpires don't look at the stats. They look at the players, which we like. But at the same time, in those games maybe could have went one of two ways. So it's interesting. Let's have a look at the top 10. Paddy Cripps wins the Brownlow with 29 votes. We love a count below 30. Uh, Lockie Neal comes in second very closely on 28. Took Miller, 27. Andrew Brayshaw, 25. Clayton Oliver and Christian Petrarca, 25 and 24 respectively. Callum Mills with 21. Dion Prestia, I thought he exceeded his expectations with 19 votes. Jeremy Cameron, we knew, being the All-Australian, that he'd poll high with 19 votes. And what about our man? Zach Merritt with 17 votes. A pretty decent season considering he missed a patch there of three games where he was injured. So pretty decent effort by all of those players. And uh, I was a bit surprised as well with Luke Parker. Ended up getting 16 votes for the count. And uh, Connor Rosie, who we all thought was a bit funny with his uh, All-Australian selection, he was pretty average in the vote count. So uh, interesting night, gents. Mark of the year. Mark Mitch, of the year, Mitch Georgiades. Mitch Georgiades. That was a, a what we against Fremantle. It was. Uh, it was a Adelaide Oval Optus. 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 Because there was another Mark of the Year um, contender that was in that same game, I believe, as well. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was. was um, Braden Young, I believe. Was that the? Uh, or, 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 I can't remember the exact name, but all I know is both of them. There were, there were two out of the yeah. three that were for the Hayden same. Hayden Young. Game. Yeah, I think Hayden Young. Yeah. There we go. Thank you, Mike. That was um, a good game of high marks. <laughs> mate, that was a great. That was a great grab. Fantastic! I rewatched that, Mark. I think that might have been better than Georgiades. It, yeah. Look, it, it could have gone either way. Like the goal of the year, it could have gone either way. Yeah, yeah big boy, Sam, by Draper. Sam Draper from the the ruck contest against the Gold Coast. Uh, there's three. He wasn't S- there. Listen, yeah, you look. look. It's uh, there's three Essendon fans at this table here, but I'm sitting here saying Jadakos should have won it. Uh, honestly, as uh, again Essendon fan, you. You are biased 80% of the time, I feel like. I'm happy for Draper, and it was a classic, yeah, but uh, it's absolutely. not goal of the year if it's not a Ruckman and an, and an mm. inexperienced sloppy Ruckman at I that. Feel like, I feel like if he didn't have that fend-off yeah. in, that, in that forward 50 to get that goal, 
and he just kicked it from 50, it wouldn't have been goal of the year. If it was a drop yeah. punt, it wouldn't have been, no, it no, wouldn't no, have no. been a goal over the check side. Definitely helped. Yeah. And I think the celebration probably helped too. <laughs> I know you don't judge goal of the year on celebration, but that's one of the best celebrations. Well, a little bit I'll, of FIFA inspired there, Jimmy. I'll put the goal on a little bit more merit because Eddie Betts at, uh, on the boundary was going, that's goal of the year, and this is a four-time winner of that award. So but then again, that was before Josh Dacos' goal. It, was it? Oh, yes, yeah, it, was. it was. Correct. You are right. So no. you, could, yeah. you could bring in the argument... Josh Dacos in a clutch situation against Essendon as well, needing to win that game to stay top four. That wasn't a four. That wasn't a fourth quarter goal though. It was, was first it? quarter and they were up by quite a bit. So yeah, you can argue the it's, significance of it, but again, still, and didn't have much pressure. But that game was decided. <laughs> but by it was still a great goal. Two points. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, look, yeah. No, it was still a good goal. It is what it is. That's football. That's the Brownlow. Yes. Paddy Cripps is always going to win one. I think he was always going to win yeah, one. He was. Um, and you can't really. You know, say anything else. He won it. He was deserving. I can't wait for this week. Yep. I simply cannot wait for this week. Well, we'll go to a song, I think, and yep. we'll the, what we'll then do, Michael, is we'll yes. drop another hint about what we've got brewing here at the sports desk. It may even involve some collaboration, I could oh, say. Oh, yes. That's the yeah, second hint, but we'll dive a little bit deeper in that, and then also we'll break down the prelims, because I, I want to share with you why I don't want to forget where I was when Sydney defeated Collingwood by a single solitary point. How the poetry in that Hollywood writers couldn't write what we saw on the weekend, and also we'll break down uh, what went wrong for Brisbane when they went up against Geelong at the MCG. So, James, what have we got lined up? And we've got more sports desk to come. Bit of Arctic Monkeys, bit of fluorescent adolescent. You're on the sports desk once in. You are back on the sports desk on a Monday afternoon with Jimmy, Michael, and Jason. And Jason, just before we get into our prelim final action, I believe you were somewhere special over the weekend. (laughs) We're going to do that now, are we? Just give us a quick rundown of right. The, all the fumes that you're trying to get out of your lungs because you were somewhere quite <laughs> I was wondering special. how much carbon monoxide oh I was breathing where I was. No, I missed Friday uh, with yourself and Sam, and I did listen back just to see what your prelim picks were going to be, actually. And that was because uh, I was... While you were doing the sports desk on Friday, I was on a plane uh, embarking to Hobart. Yes. And uh, not only do I volunteer here at Sin, but I also volunteer at uh, the sister company, RMI TV. And um, as part of a crew member, uh, crew member for a production called In Pit Lane, I... I had help out uh, Brett, the producer and presenter, go to the Baskerville Ra- Historic Meeting at uh, Baskerville Raceway just outside of Hobart. Can I just say, Hobart is a wonderful town, Mike. Isn't it beautiful? Salamanca Market, on, uh, Salamanca Market on a Saturday afternoon <laughs> is one of the best places you can get a freckle, a chocolate freckle, shaped as the island state of Tasmania. It's yeah. very, what, very delicious. That's, that's the only reason I'll go to Tasmania. Absolutely. Really? I want it. It's what I, the way I see the town is just from no the, travelling through, yeah, yeah, travelling through the, oh, the roads and yeah. Going, from, Sorry. going through Hobart to Baskerville, the roads travelling there, it reminds you of the Great Ocean Road, just all the, the hilly plains and the and the river that runs straight through the city and not only that, uh it's what I the way I concluded it, it's it's what happens when convicts build a fishing town and then breed. Because there's that 200,000 oh, okay. uh, population. All right, Jason, stop teasing it like out. That. Tell us about what happened in uh, Hobart. Basketville. What we, what Brett and I have put together for you is that uh, we got an interview with some local heroes, uh, Garth Winston and Charlie O'Brien. Uh, Garth Winston being the patron of the meeting uh, over at the weekend. So for any uh, Tasmanian motorsport fans out there, they will know exactly who that person is. And uh, we got an exclusive interview with them uh, coming up. Uh, there was some interesting vehicles such as the a Group N Beetle. That was a deceptively quick, and there'll be a story on that uh, very soon. There was a lot. Uh, wanted to send a big thank you out to the Elfin team, who uh, actually helped uh, 
Brett transport his tripod so he could actually uh, properly film it at the event. And, uh, it was a very special motor, uh, circuit because it's only about two kilometres in uh, in length, but uh, there's a lot of hills and uh, it kind of works with the curvature of the earth. And it's in like this valley of all these hills areas, so the sound is very loud. And there's a lot, there's a lot of more enticing things about the track for a driver because normally, typically for say a Phillip Island or a Sandown or something like that, it's very flat. And you, it, it, I guess it's a go-through-the-motions kind of scenario, but you've got a lot more dynamics to work with, and you're really testing and driving the cars. There was a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of... Um, a Pete Turnbull uh, uh, built cars, uh, specifically a Steel City special car that we're going to do a featured story on for in pit lane not too long. Uh, yeah, and there was plenty of Cortinas there uh, for, on showcase as well, and plenty of uh, old-style Holdens, which was great. Uh, there will be a full special for the historic uh, gathering at Baskerville Raceway on in pit lane, Channel 31, November the 3rd. So uh, it was great fun filming that with Brett, and uh, look forward to hearing you again in November for a fully uh, a much larger deep dive. That's wonderful, Jason. Thank you so much for telling us about that, and I'm glad that you've still got some air in your lungs. I've come back so that. refreshed, Michael. Mate, fantastic to hear. That is awesome. And uh, shout out to In Pit Lane, yeah. which of course you can find out more information. Thursday about. nights, nine o'clock on Channel Thirty One. They have an after show on YouTube, In Pit Lane YouTube channel. Full course yellow nine thirty, and that's live with Brett and friends. Uh, and uh, it was down there in Tasmania and at the bistro having dinner. This is a this is a of image I never want to forget. Is we were sitting and there was a monitor playing Sydney versus Collingwood, the prelim final, and it was during the final quarter when we were eating. And there was a certain point where there, not only were there a couple of people, like people were eating their dinner watching the monitor, but also there were a couple of people standing just I guess in the in the walkways trying yeah. to watch the footy. But if you looked behind me. There were five chefs behind the counter in the kitchen, and they had all stopped <laughs> to watch the that. final three I minutes. Love that. Hey, everything stops for the prelim finals because they are, as we've mentioned on the show before, it is the pure round of footy. It is the fans' grand final. We absolutely love it. So let's begin. With Alrighty. It. Big first game. Big, 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 big. I don't know how many bigs I want to keep saying, but uh, <clears throat> look, we saw Geelong go through. Friday night. Under Pretty paint by numbers. Yeah, look, it, it was a convincing win. It was everything that Geelong stand for. It was... I thought that uh, Brisbane would have taken it up to them a little bit more than this. But look, they did an 18-12, 120, played 7 goals, 7-49. Mm. Geelong getting the dub by 71 points. Michael, what do we think? Do we think that this is a continuation of what we're going to see next weekend? Or do you think that it Sydney are going to put up a bit more of a challenge? Because, look, I, I certainly think that this was the weakest team in, in, this, in the last four by far, but mm. I don't know. It's first versus third. It's something that we've... Look, we saw this, funnily enough, but he kicked his 1,000th goal in yes. Sydney yes. against CG, Geelong. against Geelong. I was there. So I've seen the grand final. You were final. there. He's pretty much seen it. Oh, I didn't know. That's yeah. news to me, James. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, I've watched the grand final, yeah, so I don't, I, don't, I, don't <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't need to go. I don't need to go. Yes. Um, well, Jimmy, it, what it's do we a, think? Yeah. So, so you mentioned continuation of form. Well, the Cats currently, as it stands, 15 straight wins. The Swans are still doing very well themselves. They're on a nine straight win streak as well. But how about some ir- irony over this stat? So the last time a team with 15 straight wins walked into a grand final was none other than the opponent that Geelong had on Friday night. That's right. It was Brisbane in 2001. And ironically, a man who was a part of that team in 2001 is Craig. the current coach of 
Geelong, and that is Chris Scott. So I almost said that, Craig McRae, but he, that would yeah, have been well, accurate, he, but he just lost. He was also in that. But look, this was Chris Scott. Th- this has been a serious form. Purple patch for the Cats. Look, they were absolutely all over Brisbane. And it's important to note that after an 83-point thumping last year in the prelim, the Cats had a lot to prove, and they nearly got to that exact margin with 71 points. Now, a couple of big key stats in this. I thought Paddy Dangerfield had one of his best games for Geelong. Uh, He had two goals, eight possessions in the first quarter, and one of... The signs that you knew he was absolutely on in this game was he's running back with the flight of the ball. There could have been a player running the other way. He just had no disregard for his own self. He just absolutely went for the ball and he took the mark. He kicks the first goal of the game and he sets the tone for Geelong. And after that, it was pretty much... All straight, straight sailing for the Cats. Uh, I thought Mark Blitzarf played his best game. He was a ruck rover. He was a ruckman. He was a defensive marking player. He's so versatile. So I'll be very fascinated to see what Sydney do I mean, against got, him. They've got that many tools in this team. They've got, like Reece Stanley's in there. He he's obviously playing that um, opposite role where he goes forward, and then Blitzarf covers him when he yep. goes back. It's one it's one thing that Melbourne did fantastically last season with Gorn playing back and playing forward depending on the pressure of what was happening and they won a premiership. When they've got Blitzarves and Stanley who are both, you know, insane at their craft, oh, right? Yep. Two of the best players, two of the best tall men in the league. In your one team. In your one team. <laughs> it's something that they're going to take to next week and put absolute pride into because, look, as much as Sydney do have, you know, um, Tom Hickey, that's not going to be enough. Yeah, it's a really good point. And again, Sam Reed being out is going to be a big loss if that is to be true. What's his injury? Talk to me. What's uh, I think it's a bit, an abductor injury, okay. so that could keep you on the sidelines for a couple of weeks if if it does end up being you know as severe as they do think. They're already talking about Joel Amadi. They're talking about Hayden McLean as possible ins. I think you know someone like a Cunningham. They don't. They don't. They can't exactly bring him in because they will need someone to ruck up forward. So the only trouble is Hayden McLean, he hasn't played since round eight. So you probably would pick Joel Amati having played recently. But yeah, it's going to be a big conundrum. We're going to talk about that more, obviously, on Friday where we do our grand final show. But just quickly on Brisbane, I thought they were absolutely flat in that first half and they just left their run too late. In fact, they didn't fire a shot. They Their tall forwards did not register a major and, and, and not even a score, so not even a behind. And Neil and McCluggage, they, they had one disposal each in the second quarter. The Cats had seven goals in the third term. Um, but I just thought the way that Geelong played Lockie Neal was absolutely masterful. They, We were talking last week about potentially Mark O'Connor. Do you bring in the medical sub and do you get him to play on Lockie Neal and have a hard tag? Geelong did not need to do that. When Joel Selwood was off the bench, he was just nudging Neil around the, 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 you know, the contestant possessions and, and he was just nudging him around all the different contests and it just absolutely tired out Lockie Neal. And at the end of the day, he just couldn't run with Geelong and he looked absolutely flat because of it. So, you know, all those teams that say you need a defensive tag, you need someone to run with a player, Geelong just put that on its head and said, let's play him as a team defense. And that's exactly what they did. So it was wonderful by the Cats, it was really poor by Brisbane and yeah, again a lot of those key talls did not show up on the day and it really hurt them in a big final It did, it did 
I think that look, Max Holmes, that, that that's another big if if and yeah. but but he was running at training today in their open training session at Cadinia Park. Looked okay. Looked okay. Looked like he was running fine. I don't think if you you know got a bad hamstring injury. Was it a hamstring? It was a hamstring. Yeah. If, but it's, the if medical, it's bad, yeah. you're not you're not gonna be running. But they seemed confident after the uh, after the game. They they looked optimistic. They didn't say that it was too bad. Well, they said a pain or tension rather than a strain or tear, which is probably the best news that you can get after that. So it could have been hamstring awareness. We hear yep. that that term thrown around quite a bit. So yeah, medical team at Geelong who are very professional. Uh, they're confident, Jimmy. Well, the whole thing is that like the the look on his face was sheer frustration it and was. you know a bit of devastation. And I was like, oh no, don't tell me he's out. Like, that's just such an unnecessary injury. But 20 years old, Jimmy, first grand final. We we all want him to play. Yeah, he's, had a great, he's had a great season. Mutual supporter, we want him to play. He's, he's had, had a great a, he's season. He's had a fantastic he, season. He was probably best on ground in that qualifying final. Yeah. He kicked the winning goal. So, yeah, we want him to play. He's been a revelation, and, uh, yeah, hope he does. I think he will. I think that, look, Geelong, Geelong have one of the best medical teams in the league. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Correct. I think that, like I've said before, that little footy factory down at Geelong in the Geelong Falcons and all, like, the... Um, uh, premium private schools down there, they've got that tight-knit group. And those doctors down there, phew, mate, Oof. if they if they kept a team like Geelong running in their prime of the 07, 08, the 9, 10s, 11s, grand finals and stuff like that, it's it's not it's almost expecting them to be okay. Well, Jimmy, you, you talk about versatility. You talk about players that have been managed all year. Dangerfield was one of those. He got managed throughout the year. He almost had a preseason within the season, and he's been absolutely cherry ripe. And mentally, he was switched on. But what about Joel Selwood? On Saturday, he will play his 40th final, which is nearly two seasons worth of finals alone, and he will break Michael Tuck's record of 39, which he played over the weekend to equal that. I mean, you talk about versatility, you talk about players who... And longevity. And longevity. And and being at the top of your game for so long, that is Joel Salwood. And I thought his speech last night, by the way, when he won the Jim Steins Award, was magnificent. He prepared a speech, he spoke brilliantly, he was nervous, but he spoke so, so well. He understands the importance of community, understands the importance of getting out there and and leading by example for the kids and the Mm -hmm. next generation. He is a superstar on and off the field, and I don't think he gets enough recognition for that. I'm sure he does within the four walls, but I think uh, the footy world is coming around to the fact that he is going to be a statue champion one day at Cadinia Park. He's a superstar. Oh, you'd even you'd, you'd even question the MCG. You could. You'd, you'd, you could. Well, I mean, it's, isn't it crazy? We're, we're talking about a guy who's so hated within the AFL world for his ducks fan, and yeah. for fan fan community, not not like Hawthorne supporters. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of a lot of ducking and diving and whatnot. Like yes, that, but, and that's why I was sitting there thinking maybe that's the reason why you're bringing up Michael. Uh, maybe he probably doesn't get enough recognition. That's probably where you've gotten your point from. That's right. But 350 game, he hit that mark this year. He'll go down as an all time great. Reverie wins on the weekend or not? We'll find out. After this song, this is Ed Sheeran. We will come back with an incredible grand final rap. This is Shivers, Ed Sheeran, the Sports Desk. Ed Sheeran, Shivers, Sports Desk, Sin, Monday, Jimmy, Michael, Jason. I just noticed Michael actually had a bit of a shiver then. I did. He, did. he was, he was shivering. There's chills going up his spine. There goosebumps are appearing on his arms. For we'll more get than, a zoom in later. For more than one Because reason. it is time, James. It is time. Sports Desk have been conferring. We have been working very hard deliberating. on deliberating. Michael? Uh, Michael, uh, as EP of this illustrious program, <laughs> I think it is the perfect time to announce a Sports Desk grand final one-off. 
So, the sports desk at Sin has officially locked in a grand final football show for 2022. What a moment. It will be airing on Saturday online, on YouTube, and on the website. We cannot wait to have your company. Jimmy, myself... And Sam will be there. Jason will be behind the camera be doing the, the camera. amazing we'll doing work. The we'll have some special guests from the world of RMIT Sport and some superstar players. We cannot wait to deliver this show. We will be covering exclusively and extensively the week leading up to the grand final. We will be at the Festival of Footy. We'll be at the grand final parade. And we will be talking about the two teams that will be in the grand final, the Sydney Swans and the Geelong Cats. This is huge. So just if you didn't catch on to that and you, you know, your ears are, you know, full of cotton wool. Turn the volume <laughs> up because we'll deliberate that again. It it's is a, a tele- sports it's desk. A televised oh. sports desk show. It's an online special. It's an online special. You're able to watch with your eyes. When it won't be in the studio. We, we better put some pants on next year. Yeah, yeah, I think I, so. Geez, I agree. Oh my gosh, okay. I agree. You will need to replace that uh, hoodie with a suit, I think, James. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, well, you're looking pretty sharp, I must admit, oh, Michael. Yeah, but maybe, right. maybe that's replace, that's get a blazer vest, possibly. You would look all right in a vest, wouldn't you? Uh, maybe change her. Also, kudos to your uh, Rafa impression on Friday because I, oh, that was, I listened to that, that on the way here, to me. and I'm just like, oh no, what have you uh, done? That was news to me that Roger Federer had retired because I've been in a little. Hobart bubble, bubble this whole weekend. <laughs> so when Sam read the news of uh, Roger Federer's retirement, I, I got sad because it's a sad occasion. But it is. Uh, the big occasion was Muchas James, gracias, gentlemen. I really appreciate it. Just, <laughs> if God. you've just tuned into the sports desk, yes, we have an online special coming soon. De- even more details, uh, Michael, will be on our Facebook and Instagram, Sports Desk Sin. But I, I also deliberated, yeah, be deliberated and curated the perfect story to say that when I was at the Rest Point Bistro <laughs> yeah. in Hobart, the entire kitchen, well, five of the yeah. front kitchen, stopped to watch the prelim between Sydney and Collingwood. James, where were you? I was at my football, my my football, like soccer football team's presentation night, and we're supposed to start at six o'clock. We all get there at six o'clock. <laughs> Formalities were supposed to start at seven. Well, I was like, all right, I got the slide chair ready. Seven o'clock. I started on the dot. I see I where this go. is going. And we didn't start the presentation till eight fifteen. Of course, why? Because of the footy. <laughs> because our damn president is a Collingwood supporter. Hey! And no way. There is no way no that we way. were not going to watch that game. <laughs> he stopped wow. everything. Everyone was glued to it. <laughs> and look, I, I think that a few uh, a few tropical cordials, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> tropical, muffled the blow for him. Because I can tell you what it was. It was absolutely devastating on Saturday night. Oh, if you're what a, a thrilling fan. final quarter that oh, was! I, I think it. it is time for us to do a proper deep dive. Let's do what it. What are some of the key takeaways you guys got we from are, this? We're going to jump into a four meter pool here. Four a full deep dive. Pool. Wow, that's a, a full deep dive. That right, deep. that's almost two of me. It's almost Titanic level. That is, that is two of me. Well, that, yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. Boy, oh boy, was this a great game! 11, 14, 11 played fourteen ten. Sydney Swans getting up by one point, getting into the big dance. And talk about last line of defence. That was textbook last line of defence. Just imagine if there was a foot going forward instead of a hand to try and... Scratching and clawing at the last possible metre that there is on a field. Let's let's backtrack to the first quarter. 
Yes. They were, they were up. Uh, six goals, three to three goals. Um, it was a very, very slow start from Collingwood. Uh, they they got out the blocks, I reckon, two quarters too slow because they it's were... Good call, Jimmy. Uh, it just... The whole thing with Collingwood, and we've seen it all year, is they either have a really fantastic start to the start of the game, and then they die off, and then they come back in the last five minutes. Peak and trough. They, mate, but for some reason, they just stepped into uncharted territory, and there was they bit off more than they can chew. It was, they, they got way too overwhelmed with it, and they didn't play their best footy for the first half. I wasn't convinced it was going to be close. I'm like, all right, Sydney's through. Or, you know, whatever, we're, we're getting ready for it. And then they just ha- had a bit of a sniff. You, you could just see it. And I was, I, I, said, I said to the guy next to me, I'm just like, watch, this, this is going to be at least under a goal. There's no way that this isn't going to be under a goal. <laughs> they kicked, they, they, they look, Collingwood, to their credit, kicked their first six goals straight, or six straight. Fantastic. They've been Seven very straight. accurate Seven straight. David so accurate and on then the they scoreboard just, this whole year. And then they just start off. Kicking inaccuracy... <laughs> Is something that has killed them this year. Um, Collingwood. Collingwood. Oh, right. Okay, to a certain right. extent, with the reason they have bad, um, like, losses. Not not bad losses, like a close win, sorry. Uh-huh. Right? The kicking accuracy. Look, we'll, perfect example Will Hoskin Elliott last week. Kicking, what, zero goals, three? Even though okay. it was still a win, you're still getting those inaccurate kicks, and it permeates. It's something that, yeah, okay, it's not happening. Okay, you know, okay, great. You still win, fantastic. But then for the prelim, you've still got that inaccuracy and whatnot. And you're getting these stupid little goals that they've been quite accurate, but the ones that they've missed have just been silly. And yeah, I'm picking at teeth here, but that's could have what what could have undone them because they ended up with 10 points. They, they, they scored, what, one point in the first half, seven goals, one, and then they finished 14-10. You know, like oh, I see what you it's mean. Just, right. it's, it's an accumulative thing where, yeah, okay, narrow it down to six points for the game. You know, they had so many scoring shots that they could have buried, and they just hooked them or whatever like that. That's finals pressure. Okay. That's everything like that. You can't blame them, but that's that's just another factor as this game came, you know, became so close. And Sam made a really good point on Friday's show. He he also said that was playing Fremantle going to be a hindrance when they walked into this final because it was a bit of a it was a, in all fairness it was a bit of a, a soft kill um an easy kill and you know the pies came into this game and they just weren't quite there with the pressure the intensity and we knew the swans after watching them in the qualifying final against melbourne that they were going to absolutely throw the kitchen sink and the dishwasher at Collingwood, and that's exactly what they did. They were held scores to the Pies in the first 22 minutes of the game, and the Swans, their pressure was absolutely intense, but it wasn't just the pressure, gents, as well. It was the ferocity, the absolute aggressive and competitive nature of the Swans, and it was led by Big Lance Buddy Franklin. You talk about a guy who waltzes in, struts into the big stage, and just gets in your face. He had Braden Maynard, who is a is, is a rough nut. We big absolutely Brazzy. love the way that he goes about it, but he struggled in the first half he against did. Buddy Franklin. Two goals, seven marks. Buddy was absolutely all over him. It wasn't a good matchup, and the Swans absolutely controlled the ball in the air and on the deck, and mm. that really opened the game. They got out to a 36-point lead at the three-minute mark of the third quarter, and when Justin McInerney read the ball, intercepted it, kicked a goal, we thought, wow, 
this is the great this is the grand finalist right here and now and then the pies kicked the last three goals of the game seven of the last nine goals and incredibly guys this was the same margin as the last SCG prelim, we weren't around for it, but in 1996, 96. where Tony Lockett, of course, broke Essendon Big fans' flutter. hearts after the siren. So there's just an affinity with great moments at the SCG, and it's just it's an incredible moment. But it must be said, and, and this is what I love about Collingwood's culture, and Jimmy, you've mentioned it so many times on the show this year. Craig McRae said... We lost the game, but we are not losers. He was disappointed the way the pies were falling to the ground after the game. Well, a journalist put up a photo on Twitter after the game. How many pies players were on the ground at the end of the game? None. 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 They've learnt their lesson. It's, That's great culture right there. I messaged my mates who are pies fans. They were at the Olympic room at the MCG on uh, on Saturday with this big Collingwood kind of function they had for him. And uh, words I said to him was, be proud. Be proud of your club because from what you've come from 17th to a preliminary final by losing by one point, you'd be bloody proud of that. Because and I can tell you, if that was out the wins, if that was Essendon, mate, that that would be my grand final. Like, yeah, yeah. it'd have been great to play in it, but to make it from nothing to there, wow. in within one season from a coach just making all the difference, wow. And next year they're only going to get better. You said it in your rant about Essendon a few weeks ago. You want that culture in your club? It's it. Speaks volumes. You see, you see Jack Ginevan and Nick Dacos bawling their eyes out on the pitch. You want to see that raw emotion from the players. I think that one thing that I, I, I said to our club president, finally enough, was that this will stick with them for the rest of their lives and they would not want to feel this feeling ever again. Yep. And for sure they played with 110%, but they'll play with that extra 1%, that next preliminary final, so that doesn't happen to them. I don't quickly, think it happens. Yeah. I don't think it happens. No. I think the next year they're going to pick up some insane signings. Um, and, and the trade, <sighs> what it starts in a, it starts the only in a matter of a couple of weeks. And I'm already, excited. Already, um, already Bobby Hills nominated the club. You imagine Daniel McStay will do the same. So they're going to get some good pickups and they could get a lot more as well. Just quickly, uh, a, a stat. Now look, we, we can be critical. We can nitpick as much as we want, but this is a stat that it has to be said, is not a sustainable brand of footy. So you look at the top four, the Magpies' average winning margin this season was 13. Incredible. Um, wins by 1 to 10 points. They had nine of those. And then time spent in front. Now, this is the big percentage stat that I want to focus on, 48%. So less than half the game, time spent by in comparison, front. Mm. What are by the by comparison, the Cats, 69% in front. Demons, nice. 71% in front. Swans, not as good, 52%, but they've only had one win by 1 to 10 points that uh, of this season. So the Pies, in comparison, um, yeah, it, it's a massive stat. And, and the Cats as well, uh, an average winning margin this season of 39 points, Demons 35, Swans 34, Magpies 13. So is that su- sustainable for the future? Well, time will tell. Um, of course, we'll know. It'll bring. I think year. it'll go back to the culture thing because it will instill into them oh, that they grind it out to the very end, and they're going to always have that belief about them. But you, oh, 100%. You, you, I guess the, the prediction you'll be having going into twenty twenty three is that there will be. Not, you're not going to have 12 wins in a row less than a kick this time. And teams you will might, work you out. Th- there is the possibility that it might... It, 
maybe it won't necessarily be 12, but it will be significantly less. And to your point there, yeah, maybe they will, Collingwood will be a team that will be dissected in the off-season. 45,608 people at the SCG. An incredible turnout at the SCG. It was an incredible game. One of my favourite finals of all time. And Cats and Swans, it's going to be their first grand final um, at the MCG since 2019. And this is the first time in history that the Swans and Cats will play each other in a VFL-AFL grand final. So history is being made. It's a great time to be alive. And what a week it's going to be leading up to the grand final. That is our full comprehensive wrap of the prelims. And, of course, on our televised visual version of the grand final show, we will tell you about the road to the grand final for both sides. It's going to be great. It's been a long road for us, Michael. I feel like we've, you know... Trials and tribulations with definitely with multimedia facets of the sports desk, and we've actually got it, which is going to be fantastic. So we can't wait. It's going to be a great spectacle. It's going to be a great week. I can't wait. I can't wait to get get down to the uh, to Yarra Park, see see the players, see the grand final teams, soak in that culture and soak in that atmosphere because we've longed it for years. School holidays, kids will be out kicking footies left, right, and so you have to be dodging them. <laughs> you will be. It's someone, I, it's someone I don't miss. I can tell you that. Having to dodge a footy left, right, and centre in Yarra Park. But look, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> be I love it. Speaking of loving a song, I love this song. And it's uh, it, it, it's one that grinds people's gears, but also gets people up and going. Bit of Jack Harlow, bit of first class. You're on the sports desk. Hey, on Sin after this, bit of F1, bit of Premier League. We'll be back. Sports desk, Sin. Jack Harlow, bit of first class from the sports yeah, desk baby. on Sin on your Monday. Almost time to wrap up, but we're going to go very, very quickly to a few, uh, few things. Yes. Rapid fire outside the uh, outside the parameters of Australia. Out, outside, the, out, outside, outside the world. International of, uh, sport news wrap up. Premier League happened over the weekend as well. We're back after that week of hiatus against uh, because of the Queen's death. A uh, few notable games: Fulham beating Nottingham Forest three-two. Man City continuing their form three-nil over the uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Newcastle and Bournemouth playing out a one-all draw. Tottenham Hotspur six-two against Leicester at home. Ooh. Arsenal top of the league three-nil against Brentford. And Everton one 0 against West Ham, and the rest have been postponed due to lack of police because uh, of the Queen's funeral. So there was supposed to be a game that was happening. Uh, that was supposed to happen at one thirty in the morning last night, but due to lack of police, and it was a big game. It was Chelsea versus Liverpool. They just said we're going to postpone it. Um, as the latter stands, Arsenal in first, Man City second, Tottenham third, Brighton fourth. Bit of football on home soil as well. We've got the Australian farewell uh, match. Socceroos take on New Zealand. Now, I was at this game in 2010 when they farewelled uh, the Socceroos going to South Africa. And what a campaign that was. That was fantastic. Regardless of losing it, regardless of not going anywhere in that World Cup, the MCG was packed and it was fantastic to just see all the players who were going to be in that World Cup go off. We've got some uh, lovable faces coming back into the Socceroos squad. as of note, we've got uh, Jason Cummings, the cum dog. He's, uh, <laughs> funnily enough, that's his actual nickname. Uh, once once a Scottish-born uh, footballer, then turned Aussie because one of his parents was Australian, uh, became a cult figure in the Australian world of football, plays at Central Coast Mariners, is now playing in that Socceroos squad. Um, oh, mate, I'm going blank with these names. We've got a lot of... Uh, Grand Qu- and Quoll, 
Oh, I'm going blank with his names. 17-year-old, now turning 18, making his <laughs> debut for the Socceroos. Um, and then the likes of Jamie McLaren still in there. The the gr- the grey wiggle, Andrew Redmayne is still <laughs> yeah, in as well. Uh, it's it, it's going to be a great spectacle. I can't wait. It's uh, Thursday kickoff. I think it's seven fifty. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I'm I'm pretty sure it's seven fifty. Here we go. Uh, no, even better. The Socceroos were uh, the Socceroos Twitter doesn't even have the name of it, which is fantastic. <laughs> Martin Boyle, the likes of him, Riley McGree, all back. Milos Deganek, Denny Genro, Kai Rouse. All coming from new site, from new clubs as well. Um, in particular, Ryder McGree's been tearing it up in England in the Championship. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, so that game is on Thursday. And Mitch Langenek, coming out of retirement, Aussie goalkeeper. Long neck. Retired, <laughs> retiring from Australian um, international football. Makes his return. And and here's a great, here's a great tweet. I'll leave you with this. Uh, he posts on Twitter. It's taken a little bit to sink in, but I'm beyond happy and proud to be involved with the Socceroos again. I guess once you're a Socceroo, you really are always a Socceroo for life. Can't wait to get back and see the boys again and get into camp. Football is amazing. Isn't Sport is amazing. Sports desk's amazing. Michael, talk to us. Okay, so NRL news. So semifinals were over the weekend. The Eels thrashed the Raiders 40-14 to at home. And then it was the Sharks going down to the Rabbitohs, 38-12. to The Rabbitohs will now set up a grand final rematch. It'll be the Panthers up against the Rabbitohs on Saturday. And then on Friday night, the other preliminary final will be the Cowboys up against the Eels. And the Rabbitohs will be my smoky tip for the premiership this year in the NRL. T- switching the R for an F, the NFL in America. Some big results over the weekend. The Kansas City Chiefs continue their unbeaten form with a 27-24 to four, 24 win over the Chargers. These, gee, these two clubs, for those, who follow it, for those who follow it, gee, they do pretty well. Uh, the Patriots get their first win of the season, 17-14, to 14, up against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and some other big results as well. The Miami Dolphins narrowly got over the line against the Ravens, 42-38. to 38. The Buccaneers, led by Tom Brady, 20-10 to 10 winners over the New Orleans Saints, and the... The Rams, the LA Rams, who won the Super Bowl last year, they get their first win of 2022-31, plays the Falcons 27 in this season, should I say, and the Cardinals get their first win of the season up against the Las Vegas Raiders, 29-23, so some big results there, and the Cowboys, probably the biggest upset, 20-17 to up against the Bengals, who fell short in the Super Bowl, so a couple of big results there. And there's still some games to be played. The Bills up against the Titans tomorrow at 9.15am Australian Eastern Standard Time. And the Eagles up against the Vikings 10.30. So lots going on. And also just a quick bit of news in the tennis. So uh, as we know, Roger Federer has retired from international tennis and he will play his final ATP Tour Tournament in London this week. And he has arrived... For that tour, he will be, as we know, teaming up alongside Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, and Andy Murray in that game. Andy so Murray. that will be a game to watch, and hopefully Andy Murray doesn't crack the sooks 
So <laughs> I love that. I think the I think the occasion will make him uh, think twice on that. A big thank you to Roger Federer for the great career in pit lane, November third, uh, Baskerville historic special on Channel Thirty One. You'll see all of my camera work and Brett's great breakdown, and of course, big week for the sports desk here at Grand Final Week. Sport is wonderful, James. Sport is wonderful, it's and I'll best. tell you what else is wonderful: Aussie music. Because our yeah, friends at the hoist are up next. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Friday with a massive preview of the Grand Final. Eve, this is going to be a good one. We'll see you Friday. Epic!